Chapter Seven of A Summer in a Canyon, A California Story by Kate Douglas Wiggin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven, Polly's Birthday, first half of which she rejoices at the mere fact of her existence. O oh, frabjous day, Kalu Kalay, he chortled in his joy. Polly's birthday dawned auspiciously. At six o'clock she was kissed out of a sound sleep by Belle and Marjorie, and the three girls slipped on their wrappers and prepared to run through the trees for a morning plunge in Mirror Pool. Although it was August, there was still water enough in Minnehaha Brook to give one a refreshing dip. Mirror Pool was a quarter of a mile distant and well guarded with rocks and deep hidden in trees, but a little pathway had been made to the water's edge and thus the girls had easy access to what they called the mermaid's bath. A bay tree was adorned with a little redwood sign, which bore a picture of a mermaid drawn by Marjorie, and below the name these lines in rustic letters. A hidden brook that to the sleeping woods all night singeth a quiet tune. Laura had not lived long enough in the woods to enjoy these cold plunges, and as her ideal was a marble tub with scented water, and a French maid to apply the same with a velvet sponge, it is not much wonder. She insisted that, though it was doubtless a very romantic proceeding, the bottom and sides of the natural tub were quite too rocky and rough for her taste, and that she should be in constant terror of snakes curling round her toes. I've a great mind to wake Laura just for once, said Belle, opening the tent door. There never was such a morning. I believe I've said that regularly every day, but I simply never can get used to it. There must have been a wonderful sunrise, dears, for the glow hasn't faded yet. Not a bit of morning fog. That's good for Elsie. And what a lovely day for a birthday. Did we used to give you anything like this in Vermont, Polly? Hardly, said Polly, peering over Belle's shoulder let's see what did they give us in vermont this month why i can't think of anything but dog days hot nights and hay fever but that sounds ungrateful why jeff's up already there's elsie's bunch of vines and twigs and pretty things hanging on her tent door he's been off on horseback just my luck to have him get up first jack always does you know and last night i sewed up the tent opening with carpet thread good and tight overhand stitches i wouldn't be ashamed of at a sewing school oh you naughty girl laughed bell the boys could rip it open with a knife in half the time it took you to sew it certainly i didn't mean to keep them sewed up all day but i thought i'd like jack to remember me the first thing this morning girls whispered marjorie excitedly don't stand there mooning or sunning forever i thought there was a gopher in this tent last night i heard something scratching and i thought it was the dog outside but just look at these two holes almost under laura's pillow let's fill them up cover them over anything gasped bell laura will never sleep here another night if she sees them nobody insured laura against gophers said polly she must take the fortunes of war i wouldn't wake her said marjorie she didn't sleep well and her face is flushed come or we shall be late for breakfast 
when they returned fresh and rosy from their bath there was a stir of life in all the tents pancho had come from the station with mail an odor of breakfast issued from the kitchen where hopyet was humming a fragment of chinese song that ran something like this not loud but unearthly enough as bell used to say to spoil almost any cooking Fung, fung, mong, mong, till her soon. You so chung, how key me. Touch a choice song. Dickie was abroad, radiant in a new suit of clothes, and Elsie pushed her golden head out between the curtains and proclaimed herself strong enough for a wrestling match with any boy or man about the camp but they found laura sitting on the edge of her straw bed directly over the concealed gopher holes a mirror in her hand and an expression of abject misery on her countenance what's, what's the, the matter? matter cried the girls in one breath but they needed no answer as she turned her face towards the light for it was plainly a case of poison oak one eye almost closed and the cheek scarlet and swollen where do you suppose you got it asked bell oh i don't know it's everywhere so i don't see how i ever hoped to escape it yet i've worn gloves every minute i think i must have touched it when i went up the mountain trail with jack i'm a perfect fright already and i suppose it has only begun is it very painful asked polly sympathetically oh you do look so funny i can hardly help laughing but i'm as sorry as can be i should expect you to laugh you generally do retorted laura no it's not painful yet but i don't care about that it's looking so ridiculous i wonder if dr winship could send me home i wish now that i had gone with scott for i can't be penned up in this tent a week oh it won't hurt you to go out said bell and you can lie in the sitting-room just wait and let mamma try and cure you she's a famous doctor and bell finished dressing hurriedly and went to her mother's tent while polly and marjorie smoothed the bed with a furtive kick of straw over the offending gopher holes and hung a dark shawl so as to shield laura's eyes aunt truth entered speedily with a family medical guide under one arm and a box of remedies under the other the doctor has told me just what to do and he will see you after breakfast himself it doesn't look so very bad a case dear don't run about in the sun for a day or two and we'll bring you out all right <laughs> the doctor has had us all under treatment at some time or other because of that troublesome little plant i don't want to get up to breakfast moaned laura just as you like but it is polly's birthday you know many happy returns my sweet pollykins and there are great preparations going on i can't help it mrs winship the boys would make fun of my looks and i shouldn't blame them appear as the way old lady suggested marjorie as mrs winship went out i won't come and that's the end of it said laura perhaps if i bathe my face all the morning i can come to dinner after breakfast was cleared away hopyet and mrs howard's little china boy gin were given a half holiday and allowed to go to a neighboring ranch to see a flan of hopyets for it was a part of the birthday scheme that bell and geoffrey should cook the festival dinner jack was so delighted at the failure of polly's scheme to sew him in his tent 
that he simply radiated amiability and spent the whole morning helping elsie and marjorie with a set of elaborate dinner cards executed on half-sheets of note-paper the dinner itself was a grand success half of the cards bore a caricature of polly in the shape of a parrot with the inscription polly want a cracker the rest were adorned with pretty sketches of her in her camping dress a kettle in one hand and underneath polly put the kettle on we'll all have tea this was the bill of fare arranged by bell and geoffrey and written on the reverse side of the dinner cards dinner a la mother goose camp chaparral august fifteenth eighteen hundred and come with a whoop come with a call come with a goodwill or not at all victuals and drink bean soup she gave them some broth she gave them some bread salt codfish you shall have a fishy in a little dishy roast mutton a la venison dear sensibility oh la i heard a little lamb cry ba potatoes and jackets the butcher the baker the candlestick maker all jumped out of a roasted potato stewed beans you nor i nor nobody knows where oats peas beans and barley grows chicken and beef sandwiches hickety pickety my pretty hen laid good eggs for gentlemen taffy was a welshman taffy was a thief taffy came to my house and stole a piece of beef lemon pie a pie sat on a pear tree plum tarts the queen of hearts she made some tarts all on a summer's day fruit nuts and raisins you shall have an apple you shall have a plum i had a little nut tree nothing would it bear but a silver nutmeg and a golden pear bread and cheese when i was a bachelor i lived by myself and all the bread and cheese i got i put upon the shelf coffee and lemonade one two three how good you be i love coffee and billy loves tea oranges and lemons says the bell of st clemens what they ate i can't tell but tis known very well that none of the party grew fat bell and jeff took turns at dishing up in the kitchen and sat down at the table between whiles and they were barely escaped being mobbed when they omitted one or two dishes on the programme and confessed that they had been put on principally for the style of the thing a very poor excuse to a company of people who have made up their mouths for all the delicacies of the season jack was head waiter and having donned a clean white blouse of hopiets and his best cap with a red button from which dangled a hastily improvised queue of black worsted he proceeded to convulse everybody with his mongolian antics these consisted of most informal remarks in clever pidgin english and snatches of chinese melody rendered from time to time as he carried dishes into the kitchen elsie laughed until she cried and laura sat in the shadiest corner her head artistically swathed in white tarlatan polly occupied the seat of honor at the end of the table opposite dr winship and was happier than a queen she wore her new green cambric with a bunch of leaves at her belt she was sunburned but the freckles seemed to have disappeared mysteriously from her nose and almost any one would have admired the rosy skin the dancing eyes 
and the graceful little auburn head sunning over with curls when the last bit of dessert had been disposed of and dicky had gone to sleep in his mother's lap like an infant boa constrictor after a hearty meal the presentation of gifts and reading of poems took place and polly had to be on the alert to answer all the nonsensical jokes that were aimed at her finally bell crowned the occasion by producing a song of miss mullock's which had come in the morning mail from some girlfriend of polly's in the east who had discovered that polly's name had appeared in poetry and song without her knowledge and who thought she might be interested to hear the composition with the aid of bell's guitar and jack's banjo the girls and boys soon caught the pretty air and sung it in chorus at the end dr winship raised his glass of lemonade and proposed to drink miss oliver's health this was done with enthusiasm and geoffrey immediately cried speech speech i can't said polly blushing furiously speech sung jack and philip vociferously pounding on the table with knife handles to increase the furor speech demanded the genial doctor going over to the majority and smiling encouragingly at polly who was pushed to her feet before she knew very well what she was doing oh if laura were not looking at me she thought i'd just like to speak right out and tell them a little bit of what is in my heart i don't care i will i know you are all in fun she said looking bravely into the good doctor's eyes and of course no one could make a proper speech with jack grinning like a cheshire cat but i can't help telling you that this is the happiest summer and the happiest birthday of my whole life and that i scarcely remember nowadays that i have no father and no brothers and sisters for i have never been alone or unhappy since you took me in among you and bell chose me for her friend and i think that if you knew how grateful i am for my beautiful summer dear dr paul and aunt truth you would be glad that you gave it to me and i love you all dearly 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 whereupon the impulsive little creature finished her maiden speech by dashing round the table and giving mrs winship one of her bear hugs at which everybody laughed and rose from the table laura burton who was thoroughly out of conceit with the world and who was never quite happy when other people seemed for the moment to be preferred to herself thought this burst of affection decidedly theatrical but she did not know of any one to whom she could confide her opinions just then indeed she felt too depressed and out of sorts to join in the general hilarity dinner being over dr paul and the boys took the children and sauntered up the canyon for a lazy afternoon with their books elsie went to sleep in the new hammock that the doctor had hung in the sycamores back of the girls sleeping tent and mrs winship lay down for her afternoon nap poncho saddled the horses for bell and marjorie who went for a gallop polly climbed into the sky parlor to write a long letter to her mother and laura was left to solitude in the sleeping tent now everybody knows that a tent at midday is not a particularly pleasant spot and after many a groan at the glare of the sun which could not be tempered by any system of shawls and moans at the gopher holes which she discovered while searching for her earring and repeated consultations with the hand-glass at brief intervals during which she convinced herself that she looked worse every minute she felt then that camping out was a complete failure 
and that she would be taken home forthwith if it could be managed since she saw nothing before her but day after day of close confinement and unattractive personal appearance it's just my luck she grumbled as she twisted up her hair and made herself as presentable as possible under the trying circumstances i don't think i ever had a becoming or an interesting illness the chicken pox mumps and styes on my eyes that's the sort of thing i have i feel much worse mrs winship she said going into the sitting-room tent and waking aunt truth from a peaceful snooze if you can spare poncho overnight i really think i must trouble you to send anne and me home at once i feel as if i want to go to bed in a dark room and i shall only be a bother if i stay why my child i'm sorry to have you go off with your visit unfinished you know we don't mind any amount of trouble if we can make you comfortable you are very kind but indeed i'd rather go i hardly dare let you start in the hot sun without consulting the doctor and everybody is away except polly they will feel badly not to say good-bye it's nearly three o'clock now so the worst of the sun is over and we shall be at the ranch by eight this evening i feel too ill to say good-bye anyway and we shall meet belle and marjorie somewhere on the road for they were going to the milk ranch <sighs> very well my dear if you've made up your mind i must yield replied mrs winship getting up and smoothing her hair i don't dare wake elsie she has had such an exciting day but i'll call polly to help you pack and then tell poncho to find anne and harness the team while he's doing that i'll get you a little lunch to take with you and write a note to your mother perhaps you can come again before we break camp but i'm sorry to send you home in such a sad plight End of chapter 7